Uh, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Um, hey, uh, if you're listening online later because you're out on a lake right now enjoying the sun, thanks for inviting us. We really appreciate the invitation. So that was very nice of you. Um, we, uh, we are in the middle of a sermon series. I'm going to just kind of like give you a little bit of a review here in just a second. But I kind of wanted to start by asking the question, if you've ever been in a situation where you had a social engagement you were trying to get out of, politely trying to get out of, uh, somebody had invited you to help them move, uh, help me move party and you didn't want to, or, you know, just something like that. And so you were trying to think up, not, not wrong, not, not illegitimate excuses, but like, like mostly true excuses. You know what I mean? Uh, where you're just trying to find that polite way to say, well, you know, I can't because, and then you got to fill in the blank. And I, I was just thinking about that. If you've ever been in that situation, but then you've ever had somebody like try to knock those excuses down, like just not let you have it. So, hey, will you help me move? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think, um, I think I'm busy that day. Well, I haven't told you the day yet. Well, I'm busy all the days, you know, like that kind of thing. Well, what about, what if we schedule it? I'll buy you lunch. Oh, I, uh, I don't eat lunch. I'm, I'm, I'm lunch-free now, you know, like, like vegan or gluten-free. or I'm lunch-free. Um, but it's just kind of one of those things where if somebody doesn't, like, let you politely out of that, and you've been in those situations where you're, you come to this point at which you feel like either I've just got to tell them I don't want to help them, or you just got to be like, okay, I'll help them, and I'll have a bad attitude about it. You know what I'm talking about? Those are kind of like the two, uh, the two situations. You keep lobbing up these excuses, and they keep batting them down, you know, like not letting you get out of this. And I think Jesus can be a little bit like that. When we lob up excuses for not doing what he wants us to do, he just keeps batting them down. Like, that's not good enough. you got to come up with something better if you really want to get out of obeying me. If you really want to get out of living the kind of life that I'm asking you to leave, li- live, you've got to come up with a better excuse. than That's just not going to work. So we've been wrapping up this series called Jesus Light. And the idea is, is we take uh, these amazing concepts that Jesus is trying to instill in his followers, and we sort of like redefine them into something that doesn't mean what Jesus said. We take awesome ideas and turn them into platitudes that we can kind of let ourselves off the hook, or we can kind of say, my life already looks like that, when it doesn't really. It doesn't really. Like what Jesus said was serious business, and we can't just redefine his words. And so this is the final series, uh, final sermon in that series, and if you haven't been with us, it's totally fine. You're not going to miss out on anything, although you can always go back and listen. Um, but, but we've been talking about how we minimize the teachings of Jesus. And so what we're going to do this final week is we're actually going to talk about the idea of how obedience to Jesus can get in the way of obedience to Jesus. Which I know sounds like a weird idea, but I'm hoping it's intriguing enough that you'll pay attention for the rest of the the service. Obedience to Jesus can get in the way of obedience to Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. We are coming right in the middle of something. If you were walking into this room, uh, had no idea what was going on, and you walked into this, you would feel the tension in the room because Jesus was letting some people have it. You would wonder what had happened just prior to you walking in the room that had caused this like room filled with tension. Uh, and he's in the middle of kind of a, uh, 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 of a monologue about his grievances to these people that he's talking to. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. Such an interesting verse. So I, I want you to, to see this and then we're going to kind of walk back and see what he's talking about. Matthew chapter 23 verse 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. 
I don't think he said it like that. I think he probably yelled it. I think veins were sticking out, you know, like, you hypocrites. I think he was upset. I think he was mad. And if you walked in, like, sometimes we don't envision Jesus upset. But if you read Matthew chapter 23, you know that he got upset. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And you'd be like, whoa, what is going on here? I mean, teachers of the law, they deserve some respect. You can't just call them out like that. Like, you've got to be a little tactful. And this is what he says. He says, you give a tenth of your spices, of your mint, your dill, and your cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Um, A lot of scholars believe that what Jesus was talking about here was the practice of tithing seeds, like little tiny seeds. I went out actually, uh, go to the next slide if you would. I went out and bought some dill seed. I didn't know you can buy this. And this is like the worst illustration ever. Like, this is a terrible object lesson because you can't see them. Like, I could, I could have bought nothing and said, like, hey, see, I got some dill seeds. Can you see? People in the front row can't even see that. Like, okay, that's nice. Like, they're there, I promise. I got, I got a handful of dill seeds and you wouldn't be able to tell. Like, it just looks like freckles or something on my, some dirt on my hand. But this is, this is dill seed. I could drop it and, and, we wouldn't even notice. Like, we'd, our cleaners would have to clean it up. But, I mean, it's, there's nothing here. There's just nothing here. Like, this is a handful of dill seed. This is the worst illustration in the world, right? You'd have to come up and see, like, oh, yeah, you've got dill seed in your hand. Like, that's, this is terrible. This is a terrible idea. I'm totally going to make a mess, too. But it, I could have saved myself a trip to the store. And these are not cheap. I was surprised at how, like, expensive spices and stuff are. Like, you can go, I went to the store, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, for those tiny little things, I'm not planting dill plants. I don't even know what dill plants are. Why would I want dill seeds? What are they good for? And I looked at the back, and they're good for, like, putting on pickles and relishes. Like, what a waste. Like, I mean, I'm sure it's good, right? It's delicious stuff. But what a waste. This is dill seeds. Look how tiny they are. Look how tiny. There's nothing to these. There's no point to these. Like, and you can imagine, like, Jesus is saying, you're tithing these tiny little seeds. So imagine they're like sitting at a table. They go to the store, buy some seeds, plunk them out on the table. And you can't tell that I'm doing this, but I'm doing this. One for God. All right. And then nine for me. One for God. And then nine for me. Like that's what they were doing. And Jesus says, you guys are so conscientious about these tiny little things that you can't even see. And you have neglected the big things. You've been obedient in this, good for you. Round of applause. Gold stars for everybody. But you've like walked over homeless people in order to do that. That's craziness. In your obedience, you've neglected obedience. Man, this is like painfully conscientious, uh, uh, like servitude to God. And I don't know that it's what God was asking. Now, some people are going to be like, whoa, hold on a second. If God said tithe of your dill seeds, you need to tithe of your dill seeds. God didn't say do that, by the way. Just flip back in the Old Testament. Read the entire Old Testament and then tell me whether or not you find God said tithe of your dill seeds. And I, some, some of you are going to be like doing some Google searches right now. But God didn't ask him to do that. That was really conscientious. But in order to do that, they were neglecting things that really mattered. I want to make three observations about what Jesus is saying here in this text. Three observations. And the first one is, is pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Uh, this... What he was talking about was worth getting upset about. It was worth getting mad about. Jesus was upset about what they were doing. And it was worth getting mad about. Um, and, and this tells you something about this topic and about how important it was. I would have been like, and this is my personality, if I had been sitting in with a bunch of Pharisees and I had been talking about this, I would have been something like, oh, hey, guys, 
you're doing a great job with those seeds. I mean, you're real home run with the seeds. Good job. You're counting it out very well. Awesome. I'm, I'm really impressed. One little thing, just one little thing. Um, there's also this stuff that you probably should pay attention to occasionally, like, like justice, mercy. Like if you can, if you can get around to it, but really good with the seeds. And Jesus is not having any of it. He's like, woe to you, you hypocrites, because you're doing this so that everybody can see. You're doing this tiny little thing. I'm, I'm picking, trying to pick up a dill seed. You're doing this so that everybody can see, and you're neglecting things that really matter to me, things that are important to me. But you, you care. I lost it. It's gone. <laughs> Good luck finding it. You care about this, and you don't care about things that matter to me. That, that's upsetting to God. That is upsetting to me. Jesus uses the H word in the passage too, calling them hypocrites. I mean, that's some serious business. Now, it's important to note that not everybody agreed with the Pharisees. This wasn't the law of the land. This is what, wasn't what everybody was doing. This was just the people who had come along and they said, this is the standard. This is the way God wants us to live. And so by saying that, they begin to engage in this sort of one-upsmanship game with society. Like, oh, that's nice. You tithe, but do you tithe of your dill seeds? And then people were like, I, I guess I hadn't thought about tithing of my dill seeds. I hadn't thought about tithing of my, my cumin. I don't even know how you would do that. It's all ground up. It's really fine. I, I never thought about that. Am I supposed to be doing that as well. And so they had this kind of one-upsmanship. And it is hard not to feel guilty when someone begins to play that game, at least for a personality like mine. When somebody comes along and asks me questions like parenting, I think is a really great example where it's hard not to feel guilty about your lack of parenting with this one-upsmanship idea. Like somebody will come along and say something like, oh, so what kind of classical music did you play for your developing baby while it was still in the womb so that it would be able to do algebra when, when it was two years old, you know, or whatever, like whatever kind of stuff. And you're like, I, I didn't know. I don't know. Sometimes we played the radio really loud in the car. Is, uh, is classic rock good for developing fetuses? I don't know. I mean, is that, is that kind of the same thing? Or people like, well, so what kind of hypoallergenic snacks are you packing for the play date today? And you're like, hyperallergenic snacks, play dates. We're lucky to get our kids to swallow a donut on the way out the door. Like, are you kidding me? And it is easy when you hear things like that about these standards of parenting, the way things are supposed to be, to feel a little bit like, ah, oh, I'm a bad parent. I'm not doing a good enough job. Because there's this, there's this not, there's not a real clear standard about what's supposed to be good and what's supposed to be not. I mean, we know the basics. But this is true religiously as well. It's really easy to make people feel insecure with their relationship with God. Oh, you tithe. Oh, that's nice. Do you tithe your dill seed too? You tithe that? Well, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize we were supposed to. I didn't realize that that was a thing. And it's easy to make people feel inadequate. And it's important for us to note this, that God hates it. God hates it. When people are manipulated into thinking that, that God will love them more if they're keeping the rules, and maybe I could even add scrupulously keeping the rules, that statement is making some of you nervous. God does not love you more if you can keep the rules better than the next person. It's not like the joke with the bear, like, I don't have to be the fastest, I just have to be faster than the guy behind me, right? It, God doesn't love you more if you're tithing of your dill seeds than if you're not. And you're like, well, then if you tell me that, then, then people are just going to go out and do whatever they want. That's not how it works. That's not how grace works. And God gets mad when we try to communicate to people that somehow he loves us more because we're doing more. That's not the way God's love works. It never has worked that way. God has never wanted us to think that he'll love us better if we're better at obedience. I don't know, Patrick. I don't know. I'm going to have to sit on that one for a while. 
That's fine. That's fine. Think about it. Second observation I want to make about this passage. This is probably also going to be challenging. Not all commands are created equal. Wait a second. If God said it, then we should do it. Well, uh, how can you say not all commands are created equal? I think I can say that because Jesus said it. So I think that gives me some room to talk about that. Matthew 23, 23 again. He says, you haven't neglected the more important matters of the law. The more important matters of the law. Important is actually an interesting term because it's a term of measurement. It means heavy. You've neglected, uh, I think the King James translates it, the weightier matters of the law. I like that. The heavy matters. You've neglected the weightier things, the heavier things. um, And you're keeping the light ones, but you're ignoring the heavy ones. Most of you know by now that um, uh, Karina and I are in the process of getting licensed for foster care. And the process you go through is pretty interesting. They give you lots of training, and there's lots of really good training that you have to go through. Um, But one of the things you have to go through, and some of you may know this, is you have to go through training about how to put in a car seat in a car. Now, not a problem, right? It's important to know how to put a car seat in a car. You don't want to get upside down or facing backwards or whatever. You don't want to know that. But the thing is, is they take about 30 minutes of information, and they cram it in about three hours. So you're sitting there for three hours learning how to plug a car seat in the car. Some of you have have been through that, know what I'm talking about. Now, the thing is, is the lady was able to talk for three hours, and I don't know how. Uh, The lady that did ours actually went overtime, and I was like, how in the world are you going overtime? How is this happening? I have never felt more like I was in fifth grade, and the clock would not move than this. Sorry about that. This is why I love that we don't have video, because a bunch of people in the room just laughed, and if you're listening online, you have no idea what I just did. I just made a giant mess. Sorry about that. Somebody can come pick those up later for me. That would be great. That's funny. So anyway, back to my, uh, back to my class about how to put in a child safety seat. So we got three hours of this, three hours, and then they finally get to the end, and they're like, never, ever let a kid under 13 sit in anything but a booster seat, and if you do, you're a terrible human being, and the law is going to come after you, and you're just like, okay, this is stuff, like stuff most of you are breaking right, right now, right? We're all illegal. So, okay, fine, you know, they got us nervous, they got us scared, and finally we get to the end of this thing, and she gives us this scenario. And she says, so, let's say you've got seven kids, but you only have six seatbelts, and there's a flash flood coming. What do you do? And I'm like, uh, okay. And there's, there's rules for what you do. You put the five-point harness in the middle, and you put the 13-year-old up front, and, you know, there's all kinds of rules for what you do. And I'm thinking in my mind, you put them in the car, and you get out of there, right? There's a flash flood coming. Did you not remember that part of the scenario just gave us? There's a flash flood. I feel like keeping the kids alive is heavy. Making sure that they're all in a five-point harness and everything's hooked in just right is light. It's important. It's important. It's a rule. But it seems like at least under those circumstances, that maybe is a lighter rule, right? I know maybe you're like, no, you're wrong, Patrick, and I'm going to report you. No foster children for you. Please don't. Please don't. I promise. We will do the right thing. Foster kids, floods, whatever. We're going to put them in the right place, so don't report me. It just feels like sometimes we get light and heavy confused. But Jesus reinforced this idea multiple times. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 uh, and 24, or excuse me, not, yeah, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. I was confused because it's the same reference. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, if you have this relational difficulty as you are trying to give your gift to God, he says, leave your gift there and go resolve that relational difficulty and then come back. First, of primary importance, go deal with that relational problem that you have and then come back and offer your gift because this thing is weightier. This thing is heavier. And that's a surprise to us because one is offering our gifts to God. You would think God would say, no, that is the heavy thing. Take care of your worship to me, your offering to me. That's the important thing. And God says, no, that relational component, that's the heavy thing. Go deal with that. I'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. Go deal with that and then come back and, and make, your, uh, make your offering to God. I don't have this reference, but in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, and this is quoting Hosea 6, 6, it says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. I want you to show mercy to people. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The whole Old Testament is all about how you're supposed to sacrifice. And Hosea comes along and says, nope, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And Jesus reminds the Pharisees of that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. If you're struggling with what Jesus might call heavy commands, he seems, and I think this is interesting, he seems to, na- he seems to focus on these relational issues over these vertical ones. I want you to know this, and I think this is true. If we aren't determined to focus on the heavy, on the important, on the things that matter, then we are naturally going to drift toward the things that don't. If we aren't determined to show mercy, then we're naturally going to drift toward making ourselves feel good through sacrifice. If we aren't determined to show justice, then we're naturally going to drift toward dill seeds. Now I have to gesture to the floor to point out my dill seeds on the floor. If we aren't determined to show those things. Stephen Covey wrote this, and he wasn't talking about mercy or justice or sacrifice or faithfulness, but he wrote this, and I think it applies. Anything less than a conscious commitment to the important is an unconscious commitment to the unimportant. This is a big deal. Some commands are weightier than others. Observation number three. Obedience can get in the way of obedience, or obedience can be an excuse for disobedience. In verse 23 again, he says, you have neglected the more important matters of the law. You have neglected. Uh, Neglect is an interesting word too, because more often than anything else, it's translated forgive, like your sins are forgiven, that kind of forgive. You have neglected. And I totally get that. I can totally get my mind wrapped around like you have forgiven yourselves for the weightier matters of the law. Now, I I do that all the time. Do you guys do that? Do you forgive yourself for things? All the time. I forgive myself. Ah, Patrick, you know that voice in your head that's like kind of like uh, getting at you? You ate 12 cookies. Oh, it's no big deal. It's been a long day. You burn calories by sleeping, right? It'll be fine, you know? I'm forgiving myself for something that I probably shouldn't have done. You spent how much on that Oh, no big deal. There's, there's more important things than money. You're just showing yourself that money isn't the biggest thing in your life. Go ahead, treat yourself. That was really rude, Patrick. You probably shouldn't done, have done that. Oh, I wasn't being rude. I was being honest. People appreciate honesty. They also appreciate kindness and patience and tact and things like that too. But sure, but that's what you got to tell yourself. But they were forgiving, and this is the problem. They were forgiving themselves for the heavy things. Because they were so focused on the lighter things. They were forgiving themselves for the heavy things. 
because they were focused on the lighter things. They were using obedience as an excuse for disobedience. When I was younger, and, and my mom may or may not remember this. I think she's tried to suppress a lot of memories from my childhood. <laughs> um, but when I was younger, I, I had done something wrong, something bad. And I don't remember what it was. I just remember the aftermath because I made it worse. Um, and I had done something, you know, probably irreparably damaged a family heirloom or something. You know, one of those normal day-to-day things with Patrick as a kid. Um, I don't remember what it was. But when I was a kid, I was all about distractions and bribes. Like, try to distract my mom, try to bribe my mom. She won't notice the broken lamp if there's something else to be worried about. So sometimes I made it worse. And so, for some reason, this, this moment, this time, I decided that I had this genius idea. And this is out of thin air. There was no previous context for me doing this. There was no, my mom hadn't said, if you break a lamp, do this. Nothing. For some reason, I decided, just pulled this idea out of thin air, that I would make my mom some fudge. My mom has never said, I love fudge. You can always make me fudge and I will forgive all sins. There's nothing like that. I was just like, I'll make her fudge. Now, I'm not, you may have noticed, I'm not really kind of a recipe, organized rules follower kind of guy. So I'm just like, let's throw some stuff together, make some fudge. And I turned out, I had, you know, chocolate syrup. And I had made this really weird, like kind of sticky slime goo. And I thought, you know what? This doesn't look like fudge. My mom is not going to be pleasantly surprised by this to the degree that she will ignore my previous infractions. I think what I need to do is I need to put this fudge in the freezer and that will really make it look more like fudge. That's probably what fudge makers do. So I put the thing in the freezer and I had managed to create some sort of chemical compound that defied the normal freezing temperatures. And so I placed it in there, you know, at this weird angle and I got this super sticky fudge all over everything in the freezer dripping everywhere and nasty. And so, you know, my mom comes home what happened to my great-grandmother's heirloom? You have irreparably damaged this thing. What happened? Oh, hey, Mom, don't worry. Hey, check out. I made you some fudge. And there's just goo all over the refrigerator, just this nasty goo. And, of course, I'm in more trouble. Do you remember this, Mom? You remember the mess. Okay, that's great. That's great. And, and here's the funny. I, I, the funny thing to me is, like, I think, I think any time we try to distract God with these lesser things, we're like, Oh, yeah, God, I didn't do, I didn't, I wasn't really loving, but hey, fudge, God, isn't, isn't that, you know, don't you want some fudge? And God's like, uh, not really, that's not what I ask from you. It didn't ask, well, hey, uh, I know I wasn't being very merciful to that person, or patient, or kind, or loving, but some fudge, God, and God's like, that's not what I asked. That's not what I asked you to do. That's nice. Thank you for the attempt. I appreciate the effort, but that is not what I asked you to do. That's not what I wanted. What about that person you're not loving? Hey, God, I got these dill seeds. Is that okay? I, I counted one out for you. I got nine for me, one for you. Aren't you, aren't you happy with me, God, now? No, I, I had to walk by some injustice, and I had to be unmerciful, and I had to show a lack of faithfulness. But here's your dill seed, and God's, like, getting out his magnifying glasses. Oh, there it is. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Uh, could you also do these other things that really matter to me? Could you also focus on these other things? Some people will quickly point out when you read a verse like this that it does go on to say you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And some people will say, and this honestly, the way I've heard this verse or this passage used, preached over the years is really focus on this. 
really don't forget the small things. And I'm kind of like, I think that's the opposite of what he's trying to say in the passage. But that's how I've, I, I've heard it. And people will say, look, you're minimizing obedience to kind of make light of the dill seed thing to focus on this other thing. You're minimizing one kind of obedience for another. Listen, I think it minimizes obedience to feel like we can excuse our consciences or distract God by keeping the light things and ignoring the heavy. I think that minimizes obedience. It minimizes what God has asked us to do. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why, why do we focus on the small things and the things that don't really matter and the things that aren't a big deal? Why do we do that? I think I have an answer. I know why I do it. It's easy. It's much easier to count out dill seeds than it is to show someone love and mercy, justice, patience. It's just easier. I think that's, in part, probably why they called it the light commands, because they're easier to keep. The heavy ones, man, that's tough. Uh, And I think we prefer a a clock-in, clock-out sort of obedience. I'm done. Show justice, 5 p.m., I'm out. No more justice. I mean, dill seeds, that's nice limits. You count them, it's easy. And, and, And I think it's oversimplifying for us to say that we don't like obedience or that humankind doesn't like obedience. I think our struggle is not with obedience, but it's with this heavy, open-ended commitment to justice and to mercy and faithfulness. That's what we don't like. We like to be able to clock out. We like to be able to be done. But here's the thing. Justice does not clock out at 5 p.m. Once you're done counting dill seeds, you're done. Justice doesn't clock out. Mercy doesn't have an expiration date. Faithfulness doesn't have a deadline. I mean, you can count those dill seeds if you like. You can take care of those, like, those conscientious, small uh, levels of obedience if you like. Do that. Don't, t- don't, under- don't misunderstand like I'm discouraging that. But man, you cannot afford to neglect justice. And you cannot afford to neglect mercy. And you cannot afford to neglect faithfulness. Don't feel like you can placate your conscience or placate God by taking care of dill seeds. When the big things aren't being done, aren't being handled. I think that's what Jesus would say to us. Don't feel like you can take some small obedience and ignore what I really want from my people. We're going to pray, and uh, then I'm going to get out of vacuum and clean up some dill seeds. But I just, uh, I just challenge you uh, this week to think about that, to think about maybe your conscientious obedience to God and the small things that you do. Feel free to do them, but make sure you're thinking about the big things as well, the heavy things, the important things, the things that God really put us on earth to take care of and do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful to be able to gather here. Um, Like Ben said, we're grateful that we have a reason through Christ to be able to come together and to think uh, and to learn and to know and to worship. And we just pray that today as we think about the weightier matters of the law, Lord, you would convict us of the areas in our lives where we have neglected those things and forgiven ourselves of those things because we're taking care of something else. Lord, help us to not treat your commandments uh, as if they're unimportant, but help us to take what you want us to do, where you put us, the families, the situations you put us in, and help us to show justice and show mercy and show faithfulness to you in those situations, God. We thank you for, uh, for giving us Christ as a perfect example and as a reminder uh, to not neglect the things that really matter. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Happy Memorial Day.